We're going to be doing kind of a hybrid thing today, but let's start off with just thinking and reflecting a little bit about what we just heard. So this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is a very, very famous uh, passage and is really at the core of our Christian tradition, is really one of the most foundational texts for that practice. And so let, let's think about it just a little bit. It comes in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. So there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew uh, was written about um, somewhere 50 to 80 years after Jesus died. So, um, you know, a couple generations of people being born. And the core of Matthew, how he tries to tell things, is that Jesus is the teacher par excellence. He's this rabbi. He's this one perfecting the law, not abolishing it. He's this one who teaches us how to live faithfully and do what God requires of us. And so we have here this list of... passage expanding on how you should live well in the world. And so we have this image of in the gospel of Jesus going up onto a mountain, sermon on a mount, logically, right? He's on a mountain and crowds just flock around him because why not? Because that totally happens. And so crowds just come to him like a magnet and he begins preaching and eventually comes to this. This is a little bit in, a number of paragraphs into his sermon. And last week we read the other half of this that we'll we'll be discussing today, and so I'm going to refresh your memory on that. So, we have three major parts between last week and this week, three major parts that we're talking about. So, first part, the first two are from last week. You've heard it said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You have heard it said. You've heard it said in the Bible. Um, it's said earlier in the Old Testament. And it come, it's fascinating. It comes at this time when there was this cycle, unending cycle of violence. I went and killed somebody's brother. So then, what do you have to do? They have to go kill my brother. Oh, and then they just killed my brother, so I have to go kill their brother. And it's this unending cycle of violence that never ends. And in that context, what they're saying is no. There's a way to have justice that is not unending violence toward our neighbors. And, but here, Jesus is going to push even further than that because he's in a different context. They have different things and he's going to push people to move even further. So you've heard it said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on the right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. When they want to haul you to court and take your shirt, let them have your coat as well. When they force you to go one mile, go with them two. Give to those who ask. Don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. So you see this pattern. It's this intensification. They make you walk one mile. No, go two. This intensification as a response. And we'll we'll talk about this just a little bit more in a minute, but it's these rigorous moral standards of you should be even better 
Right. And so the, that was part one from last week. Part two from last week is, you've heard that it was said. We started the last section with that too. You've heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That one's not in the Bible. That one's just something in the culture. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you will be acting as children of your Father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do that? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, also you must be complete. So that's a big order, right? That's a huge standard of, okay, so God loves everybody. Yeah, do that. Um, Yeah, no problem. Okay, great. So that's part two. And then this morning, we heard this great passage, a lovely passage. We're going to come back to it in a while. Um, But remember what we heard. It's about this showy religion. We need to avoid that where you're just doing good things. You're doing good things, but just to show off so other people can see it, to seem like a great person. And so what Jesus is saying is, no, that's not how you do it. If you give to the poor, do it in secret. Don't pray out in public so everybody thinks you're super pious. Interesting, right? Okay. Uh, go, go into your room and shut the door. And then it's you and God and you're not putting on a show. Don't shoot for super eloquent, wonderful, lengthy, wordy prayers. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, don't... But don't be praying to show others how spiritual you are. But just pray straightforward. And then he gives us the Lord's Prayer, which we said like 30 seconds before we had, had it read, right? And don't fast and dishevel your hair and make it seem like you're undergoing such a big struggle because you're so pious. But, you know, actually take a bath. Actually comb your hair. It's just between you and God. Don't try and make it about trying to gain something for yourself. And so, we've got three different sections. You've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say, turn the other cheek. We've got two, don't love your enemy, your, don't love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but love your enemies. Okay. And three, don't just do religion to try and show off and show how good of a person you are. Right? So, turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Don't fake piety. So, hopefully you're somewhat near your groups. We're going to be trying to process these a bit. So, go ahead and find some groups uh, like you were previously for a little discussions. So, go. <laughs> and go. And if you can somehow move quietly, I know it's hard for groups to do that, but if you can move quietly, let me just remind you guys, our uh, beautiful rules of discussion, uh, who here, like me, is talkative? Yeah? All right. 
We're the only two, apparently. I, I do not believe that. If you are talkative, make sure to step back. Let other people have some space. Don't dominate. And remember, we've got folks who have various levels of, let's say, abilities of hearing. Yes? So make sure to recognize that and accommodate that. Yes? Yes. Great. Wonderful. All right. So first question for this, and this one, you're not in your groups quite yet. How many people have heard this passage preached on 25 times in your life? Okay. Uh, anybody think they've heard it 50 times? Okay. 75? No. Okay. All right. So I'm sure almost everybody here has heard this many, many times, and uh, what your family told you, and what your pastors have told you, and your church, and your culture, and what the media says, and pop culture references. So, the first thing, what have you heard about this? What have you heard floating around in the air? What have you heard before at church about these things that we just talked about, and these passages? And then, after you do that, what do you think? Do you agree? Why or why not? All right. Proceed. <clears throat> All right. So, rapid fire. What have people heard about these passages? Just shout it out. You all were actually talking, so I know you mentioned something. <laughs> That's, it's not always the case, but yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, very nice. You can't talk about it because you're following the verse. I like it. Very nice. That's, that's good. I like that. What else have people heard about it? Good, bad, ugly? Importance of forgiveness. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. What else have people heard about these? Yeah. Well, a lot of people, pardon me, they quote the Old Testament mm. when they want an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and, and forget the, the New Testament. Mm. Mm. Sure. And you, you hear definitely both of these haves coming out a lot, right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is famous in terms of the development of law and justice throughout the ages. Yeah? The other thing that we talk about is how these different passages are used by different groups, either in, the, in clubs, mm. you know, to make their point. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk about that just a little bit in a second. What do people think about uh, how these have been used? In general, let's say, let's say the sermons you've heard in the past. In general, do you agree with them? Oftentimes, we're not very imaginative folk, us preachers, so they're probably all basically about the same sermon, right? 25 times. So, do you agree with that? What was that? They're very agreeable teachings. It's hard to yeah. argue them. 
Absolutely. Very agreeable teachings. There's something really magnetic about them, yeah? Very hard to follow. Absolutely. 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 Yeah? Mm. It's a, a, a way a person should behave and live his life. Mm. It's not, it goes beyond what they specifically say. Mm. A standard of behavior. So not just paying attention to just these specific things, but yeah, absolutely expanding to, to cover all of someone's life. Well, let's dive a little more into this. So let's talk specifically about the first two. So eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. No, we're not going to do that. Love your enemy, and turn the other cheek. So these have been foundational for Christian social movements. Martin Luther King Jr., for example, this was core to his theology of nonviolent resistance. So, uh, what I want to chat about, so what, in your groups, what social groups are doing this well? are doing the turn the other cheek, the, um, not eye for an eye, love your enemy, who's doing it well? And who's doing it not so well? All right. You're talking about it in your groups. Go. <clears throat> Stop having good conversations, guys. Cut it out. Cut it out. All right. So, rapid fire, and I prefer not to have rants because they just bore me. So, all right, rapid fire, and not a whole lot of commentary with it. Who is doing it well? Church. Church? church outreach. Okay, church outreach. Doctors without borders. Operation Smile. Operation Charities. Amnesty International. Amnesty International. Southern Poverty Law Center, Coffee Oasis, Helpline, Fishline. I missed something. Yeah. All right, those who give their time. The Rotary, all right, all right. And I'd also like to throw And Kiwanis. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Every one of us in here. She knows how to pander. I like that. I like that. Uh, so, yeah. I was going to say, I'm fortunate to work for doctors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Many doctors. So, without rants... <laughs> Who's not doing it well? Politicians. Politicians. <laughs> well, just do a blanket statement for that. I think everybody can agree with that, right? All right. Few exceptions. Few exceptions. Okay. Who else is not doing it well? All right. We got some. We got a fight going on here. The church is doing it well. The church is not doing it well. The like the churches on TV. The churches tel- televangelists. All right, all right. Many in the one percent. All right. Who else is not doing it well? Sorry. Some people in the Middle East. Extremists. Absolutely. 
Who's not doing it well? ISIS, yeah? Mm. It's sometimes we don't have the conversations we need to with our families. Yes, absolutely. I know. It's great, isn't it? All right. So I, I want to duke it out a little bit. So we had, we had a, we're doing it well as the church, and we had, we're not doing it well as the church. Does anybody want to give a full-throated defense of why the church is doing it well? I'm core. All right. The United Methodist Committee on Relief uh, that does a lot of projects throughout the world and especially disaster relief. Yeah. Church World Service. Absolutely. Doing the crop walk, doing a lot of refugee work. That's a good question. Are we talking about the Methodist Church or the church or our church? I'm going to say probably not our specific one because y'all won't talk at all if we say that. Um, (laughs) We'll do, the, we'll do the broad church. Everybody we want. Were you going to say something? Yeah, sure, why not? All right. Anybody else want to give any more defense for how are we doing it well? United Methodist women. We got, we got two at once. All right. Habitat for humanity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's... Let's hear the full-throated defense on the other side. How are we not doing it well as the church? With the exception of Jennifer and two other people, I think the average age in here might be sixty. Okay, absolutely. Okay, all right, all right. I, we'll leave it to the imagination who the exceptions are. Okay. The church is exclusionary. How else are we not doing it well? We don't take a big enough stand on immigration policy, on LGBT, on poverty, on social social issues that we have something to say about. We don't take enough of a stand. Okay? Okay? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's some possibilities of working across different churches to do that work. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, stealing from churches in, in a variety of ways. Wage theft, um, abuses of pastors, of taking tons of money. Uh, pastors saying, God wants you to help me buy a private jet. Um, anybody, anybody remember that from like nine months ago? A year ago, something like that. How are we not doing doing this well? All the sex scandals, absolutely, and and not just in the Catholic Church, throughout throughout all the denominations. Yeah. I would say hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Say more. How so? It's like just pampering, saying what people want to hear, mm. but deep down you believe differently. Mm. Just saying what people want to hear, but deep down, you believe differently. Let's do maybe two more. How is the church not living up to these? Afraid of losing its power. Cultural, political power for 1,600 years. We've had a lot of cultural power in the West, and we don't anymore. Yeah? 
failing our youth. Say more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, youth leaving when they uh, when they leave the house. Well, let's um, let, let's not break into discussion groups for this one, but for the third part, the showy religion, the hypocrisy. So the hypocrisy, right? The I'm going to go pray outside so everybody sees how pious I am. I'm going to be disheveled so everybody knows how much I'm great at fasting. This kind of thing. What? Who? Let's do it backwards this time, and on a good note. Who is not doing it well in our world? Politicians. Politicians. Yeah, absolutely. And where the intersection of Christianity and politics comes. Yeah, a lot of times that's for show to get a certain vote. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, the coach at Bremerton being being very public with this uh, with needing his team to pray in public. Okay, okay, yeah. Issues surrounding abortion and how people treat it. Okay, absolutely. And the uh, one aspect of that being the especially within the evangelical church, but not just there. There's a very strong rhetoric of um, not having abortions, but uh, women get them at the same rate as everybody else. So that's uh, this same kind of thing around some of these issues of there's a clash between what the culture, what the church says, and what people do. How else are we not doing it? Yeah, it is, and that's a very complicated one. Absolutely. What what other ways are we not? Doing so hot on this one. Yeah. I too often in other denominations have heard we are the superior denomination. Mm. We're the ones that you're going to get to heaven through. Mm-hmm. Or where you're actually in a way putting down other denominations or other religions. Mm-hmm. Denominations and religions claiming that we're the right one, we're the only one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's on two levels, right? There's the denominations, we're the true Christianity, and Christianity saying we're the one religion that's going to lead to salvation that's going to true. Yeah? Relying on tradition rather than interacting with our environment. Let's do one more on this. Yeah. Christ is an example of us serving the least, the lost, and the broken. Mm. Um, we as a church are not doing a very good job of that because it's not sexy and grand. Not doing a good job of serving the least and the lost, the broken, like Christ did. Well then, let's end on a high note. How are we doing it well? How are we not doing this showy religion thing? And isn't it ironic because by naming it, wouldn't that be showing it? Anyway. Um, so let's screw them up and show them. How, how is the church doing well at this? Or is it? 
demonstrating or saying what Christ said and mm. saying that's how the church should live, not that's mm. how the church is living. Mm. That's how the church should be living. Okay. Pope Francis holding out this vision of what it means to live as the church. What other ways are we? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, doing what we do as a congregation. Sure, individually and collectively. Maybe, what about two more thoughts? How are we doing it well? Falling down on uh, evangelizing, on sharing, on inviting, however you want to think on that. Yeah. Let's do, what, what's, somebody have a great last thought? No pressure. It's got to be great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I have a great deal of faith in ordinary people. Mm. I think that um, Ordinary people and how they've continued to get more engaged in this particular season. All right.